Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, it's 6 a.m. Bill Murray sitting up in bed, Sonny and Cher playing. It is Groundhog Day. We did four hours on how the Jazz lost to Minnesota. That was the Monday show. Talked all about the great first quarter, the complete lack of offense in the second, third quarters, the inability to make shots, the big rally in the fourth quarter that gave the Jazz a one-point lead, and then ultimately the frustrating defeat to the Minnesota Timberwolves, the 29th best team in the NBA. And then the Jazz went out and did all of those things all over again. How exciting is that? Let's see a show of hands. Who's pumped up? Who's fired up? Come on. Good times. Again, the Jazz with a big early lead. Some idiot sportscaster tweeted out something that he didn't delete. He'll just own it. I bet I think they'll handle it better this time. The lead was gone by halftime, just like on Saturday. (laughs) You know, I did think, and I was smart enough not to tweet this, but I'm just going to plead guilty to all the stupid things I think during Jazz games. Why not? I did think, you know, they won a lot of games in the third quarter this year. You know, you get a measure of team in the first half. You know what they're doing. You make your adjustments, and you beat them in the third quarter. And then the fourth quarter's blow up. And they've done that a lot this year. That's why they played so few clutch minutes. Might be one of the reasons they're not good in clutch minutes. They haven't been in enough of those situations. That's one theory. I don't know. You can have your own. So in the third quarter of this game, and very early, Jazz score and tie it, and they get a stop, and they get the ball back. And they got the ball, and the ball goes into the left corner. And this is, this is when I know the second half isn't going to get any better. <laughs> and I think it went to Royce. I'm not 100% sure. Ball goes into the left corner. And guys, whoever it is, maybe it's Royce, I think it is, has a three-point shot. Doesn't take it. Whips it cross court. And I got to admit, although I was already cringing because he passed on a three, I thought the guy he's throwing it to is wide open and is a better three point shooter. is coming off a real hot game. And it was to the, um, it was above the break, but kind of to the right side. It wasn't top of the key straight away. Kind of split the difference between there and where the break and the line goes straight down to the baseline. And it was bogey. And he was open. I thought, Bogey's going to shoot it for sure. And then it actually is a better shot. So even though you passed it up, if you know you're going to get a better shot. And then the shot's taken, great. But of course, Bogey didn't take the shot. Bogey threw it into the corner to a guy who was about as open, and the corner is a higher percentage shot. I get that. And it was Conley. And he didn't take the shot either. I mean, there were three guys who could have taken a shot, and Quinn would have never said anything negative to him. You know, under the whole uh, PK brought this up uh, at some point on Monday's show. Which, of course, I'll bring up again today because we're just going to redo the show because the Jazz redid the game. Oh, my gosh. Uh, you know, Kristoviak had shots. Some are A shots. Some are F shots. But there's also B, C, and D shots, right? I mean, if you can get an uncontested layup or dunk to win a game with four seconds left. No. No. We're going to get to that later. We're going to do this in order. Um, if you get a layup or a, a dunk, you know, that's well, that's an A, right? That's that's the best you can do. High percentage. You can get a wide. If you're a good three point shooter, you get a wide open shot, especially in the corner, and your feet are set. You know that if it isn't an A shot, depending on how well you shoot them, it's a B plus or an A minus shot. Now for a lot of jazz guys, that's an A shot. I thought all three of those shots were at minimum B plus shots, and they didn't take any of them. And Conley drove, and then he turned the ball over, and Minnesota ran down court, and Bogey had to foul to stop the break, and. 
<laughs> and I just thought, yeah, they're not going to do this the easy way. And I got to say, I never thought they were completely out of it. When the lead got to double digits, I wondered, but they took it back down under double digits so quickly, I thought they've still got a chance. You know, Minnesota doesn't know how to win, and they're going to make mistakes. Boy, did Minnesota make mistakes. My gosh, they made mistakes. They made some spectacular mistakes. And it helped the Jazz. The Jazz punished them for some of those mistakes, but not nearly enough of them. And so what could have been a seven or eight point lead pretty easily was a one point lead. And and then we get to the play. The only good thing about this play is that Rudy owned it. <laughs> That's all I got for you. There was nothing else. So Conley hits a huge three. And tonight the Jazz are struggling to shoot threes. Oh, they shot it better in the fourth quarter. Tip of the cap to George Niang. He changed the momentum of the game big time, hitting four three-pointers. He did not hesitate. He took his shots, and he made his shots. And they were big shots. And they got the Jazz back in the game. So Conley hits a three, and the Jazz take the lead, and there's six seconds left. And just get a stop and win the game. And then we can go in tomorrow morning and talk about winning ugly. <laughs> oh my gosh and so there's an inbounds play and I, I did see stuff about what a great inbounds play that was drawn up and I don't want to rain anybody's parade but no it wasn't no it wasn't it literally wasn't any better than a bunch of inbounds plays that a bunch of dads coaching junior jazz teams have drawn up a little guy set a screen on a big guy it ain't basketball genius and the jazz switched it now, that was problematic, and for, for Conley, no matter what they prearranged and their code, and they get into all that in the postgame, you're going to hear it coming up here later in the hour. I Still, body language matters. And no matter what you decide, sometimes because guys know each other and because teams are familiar with each other, they just do stuff on the fly, right? This is a highly scripted sport, okay? This is a highly scripted sport. And if a guy shooting in the corner stands two feet too high, you can bet Quinn Snyder and or, or and, not probably and, assistant coach are going are gonna to let you know you're standing two feet too high, get your butt back in the corner. Those details matter. These guys are too big and too athletic. Your, your spacing has to be very precise. But nonetheless, some stuff just gets ad-libbed on the fly. It just does. And I did think for a moment, as they switched, and as Mike Conley switched on to Carl Anthony Towns, who's about a foot taller than him, I thought there was a little look of Panic from Mike, like, do we really want to do this? And I could see why Rudy go, but he didn't go. And judging from what you're about to hear them say in the postgame, he wasn't supposed to, right? But then he hesitated, and then he went. And by then, after the screen and the players are moving apart, Carl Anthony Towns is going out high, and he's shot the ball well, and he may well just fire up a shot over Conley, who can only contest so well because he's a foot shorter. Gobert decides to go help. That leaves the obvious question of what happened to the guy Gobert is defending, allegedly. Well, he got an uncontested layup and won the game. Eh, it happens. And Gobert, his credit afterwards, said it was 100% his fault. None of it was on Mike. It was all his fault. And then there was another follow-up question kind of about that. Well, not so much about that, but more about you know losing and losing again. He said, hey. We did some stuff right, and we did some stuff wrong. You'll hear it. I'm paraphrasing. He says, but <laughs> if I make that play, <laughs> I know. He says, but we lost the game because I bleeped up that play, and he just dropped the big one right in the middle of the post game. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Didn't even flinch. Didn't apologize. <laughs> he just bleeped up the play. 
All right, you'll hear all that coming up later in the hour. So the Jazz lose back-to-back to the Wolves, and honestly, and we'll get into this later in the show, I don't think that's the biggest problem. I mean, it's a problem. I'm not telling you it's not a problem. Don't, don't, don't break your radio and don't drive off the road. It's a problem. But the bigger problem is this kind of stuff's been going on for a while. It's not... I mean, if Donovan had played, they might have won both of these games. They might have won them ugly. So there's that. I get it. But they're 6-6 six and six in the last 12, and Donovan played in half those games. And all year long, Quinn is saying, I don't worry about the race. I don't worry about the player position. I want us playing their best basketball going into the playoffs. they got 11 games left. And there's no chance you can tell me with a straight face that these last 12 games are their best basketball. They are not. They're not. They're not. They're not. They're not. They're 6-6 six and six in the last 12. So although they're going to tell you how calm they are coming up, and I specifically asked Conley about it because he's a veteran and he was on Grizzly teams that went to the playoffs. Sometimes they went out in the first round. Once they went to the Western Conference Final, he won series, he lost series. He's been through a lot of stuff. No one's more qualified to talk about this on this team than Mike Conley. And, you know, he, but on the other hand, you can't say, our conference is rattled, man. <laughs> you can't say that. You can't show weakness. I get it. Um, but the 6-6 six and the six in the last 12, I find that concerning. And if you don't, and maybe I'm wrong, but I find that concerning. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, PK and I have to talk some Cougar football with the draft coming up. Uh, they're moving on to the next generation. And what does that mean? We'll get to that. And then the best of the postgame show. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, it's DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. PK, the NFL draft is coming up. And Zach Wilson expected to go number two. But as he goes, how much of the success goes out the door with him? We know quarterbacks elevate clubs. So is BYU, Kalani's got it rolling again, or they had an excellent quarterback. He elevated them. But now that he's gone, well, back to square one. Yeah, I don't think they're back to square one. I think that that those days are gone. That cannot be acceptable. Square one. Whatever you define it that as being is not acceptable for this team. You know, I don't know that they're going to compete, repeat an 11 and 1. Obviously, they'll have a new starting quarterback. The schedule will be much more difficult playing five Pac 12 teams. Hopefully, it is. Hopefully, it comes off as planned. But I think the program is in the best shape that it's been in under Kalani. Now, obviously, they're coming off the best record. But I think it's deeper than that because I think it's important that they establish themselves as a low bar as a seven-win team. High bar, nine, ten wins. I don't know that they can get much beyond that. Uh, but if you can get in that seven to ten range every season and give kids an opportunity to come to BYU because they want to, not because, well, you know, it's a church school or I did this is my best offer. No, they want to be there. I mean, they've had several offers and it goes beyond the affiliation of the religion, which is important to a lot of people. I'm not discounting that. But the fact that I could play quality football, big time football on television against a number of great teams over the course of a season, have an opportunity to experience all that, which they didn't. You know, that was one of the reasons and there was a secret reason why 
I think the recruiting has taken a hit, and now they have an opportunity to target guys and see where they could develop guys and all that stuff. And so they need to be here to stay. They do need to be here to stay, and I think we've seen enough improvement in other position groups that the trend is moving the right direction. I think that 7 to 10 range you're talking about, I would expect lower end of the range this year and higher end next year. I think this schedule is the toughest schedule that they've got going forward for a couple years, and they're breaking in the new quarterback. There's a lot of stuff you can't anticipate, how guys are going to develop and how injuries are going to hit you. And, you know, is the schedule on paper really? I mean, we can look at it and say on paper it's the toughest, but doesn't, you know, tend to turn out that way. But I think setting all that aside, the depth at multiple position groups, the guys who look pretty good at multiple position groups, I would think encourage me that that 7 to 10 range is doable. That is that those are realistic goals. Those expectations are not pie in the sky. You know, they've got Virginia and Baylor and five Pac-12 schools this year, and that doesn't count, uh, you know, playing Boise State and Utah State every year. And we'll see how, you know, coaching changes at both schools. We'll see how good those clubs are. But this this looks like a pretty, pretty good schedule. I don't think I don't think it's quite as tough going forward. So if there's seven or eight this year and nine or ten the year after that, uh, I think that makes sense. I think that's that's a ballpark. That's a reasonable goal. And that's where the expectations ought to be. That can be done. Yeah, I'm not going to give them a pass for breaking in a quarterback this year. I'm not expecting him to be Zach Wilson. But whichever quarterback you choose, uh, unless it's the two younger guys, uh, if it's Romney or Hall, these guys have been in the program for yep. two or three years. And played some games. So, They've been on the field. Yeah, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Romney didn't really get in any meaningful snaps this past season, but obviously the year before, before he did, did, and Hall right. did, and Hall didn't, Hall didn't get any uh, last year, but that was by design. They knew they had Zach Wilson, and they knew that Jaron Hall had some injuries to recover from, so uh, that was all planned. They, 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 they scoped that out early in the season, that that's what they were going to do. And so they went ahead and did that. And I do believe if he's healthy, he'll be the starter. But he's got to be able to hit the ground running, you know, because that's part of the deal. You've been in the program for a number of years. You should be able to jump in and at least be adequate. You know, there's still a little bit of a learning curve. I'll grant you that. But I don't think they should be starting from scratch. You know, obviously in the glory days, that's what they did. You sat for a couple years and then you got your opportunity and away you went. And a lot of those guys were NFL guys. I don't know if Hall is that. I haven't seen him play enough. But I expect them to be able to be decent offensively right from the start. And the Nakua brothers really upgrade the talent and receiver. We saw the tight end and Rex have a breakout season last season. So he should be able to get going where he needs to be. And uh, running backs, I mean, they're returning the running backs, right? Am I missing anybody? Did anybody leave that I'm not aware of? Uh, so they should be good there. Offensive line's a little bit of a hit. I'll grant you that. But, you know, they had a number of guys who played. So I'm expecting the offense to be good enough to win minimum seven. Uh, I would look towards eight wins. You got any penciled in as uh, sure losses, probable losses, games you're more worried about? You know, there tend to be uh... – over the course of time with most teams, their games like, I know they're going to win these, I know they're going to lose these, how are they going to split these middle games? Well, it's football, so anything can happen uh, on any of these games there. So if I look at it, you know, Utah 
is going to be tough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is always tough. And I'm probably picking the Utes until I see otherwise. I want to get some more training camp action next uh, August to uh, before I start making any predictions, you know, get to the week of the game and, and go at that point. But certainly that's going to be a tough game. It just always is. Uh, but other than that, who, uh, Utah, Utah, ASU, and Virginia look like the on paper the three hardest games on the schedule. Why Virginia? They've been pretty good. Broncos got them to a pretty good level. Uh, they weren't that good last season. How much are we? Okay, so this is an interesting thing. How much are we going to write off last season? Baylor had a coaching change. Their program's been pretty good, but they had a coaching change and a bad last year. Now maybe it was circumstances, and we should just write off last year. But I was downgrading. Downgrading Baylor, Wazoo. Uh, there's three teams, Boise State, Utah State, and Arizona, all coming in with coaching changes. It feels like BYU should win at least two of those three games. Maybe they go 3-0, and but I think 2-1 and should be the worst case scenario for those three games. You with me, or are you calling me out? I'm thinking. You know, I like to think for a good 10 minutes before I react. <laughs> Everyone sit quietly and discuss with yourself. <laughs> Well, I think that, you know, you look at Virginia, they lost a quarterback who was very dynamic. And I and we don't follow them close enough. I certainly don't follow them close enough to know, you know, we'll get into this. That's why we do the spring football tour with the Jazz being better. We backed off that a little bit. But as far as, you know, are they vulnerable at key position groups where, you know, an O-line or a D-line is really down. You had a chance to control the line of scrimmage. And that's the kind of stuff you have a little better feel with. Uh, with Pac-12 teams because you follow those teams, and that's where I'm I'm a little off the off the map here with Virginia and Baylor. I mean Baylor's two and seven with Charlie Brewer transferring. We've dug into that a little more, uh, so I've got my doubts. I mean they do have to go to Baylor, um, whereas they get Virginia traveling cross country in October. That's less than ideal, and I haven't seen you know is that going to follow a, or precede a big game for Virginia. You know, when you start playing teams are in there deep into their conference season, you always wonder how that falls. Are you coming in after a bye week? You know, and it's early. I haven't dug into all of that. We'll have all that down pat later. But yeah, I don't. I don't think Virginia's all that. I mean, the ACC sucks. And each time you look at uh, two years ago, if you want to blow off this year and go back to the year before. Yeah, they went 9-5, and five, right? I mean, and get blown they, out they, by Clemson they, and then in the yeah, bowl game. It just basically beat the teams they're supposed to beat, mm-hmm. which is an improvement for Virginia. I'm not saying that. Yeah. But it's not like they scare me. To They're the best team on the schedule. I mean, I don't see that at all. Uh, and I could be wrong. I'm not whether it's the Jazz could be 0-50 and, and I still wouldn't be following Virginia in April. <laughs> so the Jazz have nothing, has nothing to do with what the Jazz are doing there. Uh, US, just, USC at the end of the year. How's this going to go for USC? Are they going to have their big year and that's just a humongous game for SC and they're rolling and they're on their way to the playoff finally. They're back where they belong and they're going to be really tough. Or we've seen some SC seasons unravel and by the end of the year, they're just trying to get to the end of the year and get out of Dodge. I don't even know what to think of that game by then. Oh, I think it's going to be tough if you. You got to go there. So let's see. Utah has never won there, right? And all of a sudden, you're down. So you're setting up BYU if they win. Well, yeah, SC had a down year. No, not at all. I mean, SC may have a huge year. Well, it doesn't matter. I thought SC was loaded when BYU went down there the last time. What's that been? Fifteen years? Seventeen years? Utah's never won there. All right. So the point is, if Utah can't do it, if BYU does it, I don't care if SC's zero and ten. Take it. 
That's a Take big it or win. run, baby. Yeah. You recruit SoCal and you be USC. Don't explain away their season. Right. So, yeah. But I do think that the how tough that game is, and you're, and you're right, don't ex- if you win, you win, and you got it. But I just don't know what to expect out of SC this year. Why? I would expect them to be very good. <laughs> you They'll know, be the favorites to win the division. Why. They will be. They will be. I totally believe that. They'll be picked to win the division. And I've already read people writing that they're going to be picked to win the division and they're going to finish third behind both Utah and ASU. Oh, well, that people could all over the map too. on them. But but at that point, we won't have to be worried about preseason expectations. The season will already be over, uh, conference season at that point anyway. So we'll know exactly what they're going to be. But until I hear otherwise, I'm expecting them to be very good. You you got any gimme W's on the schedule aside from Georgia Southern and Idaho State? Uh, You should beat Arizona. Uh, Why wouldn't you beat South Florida? You should beat Utah State. Yeah, so that's I'm, I'm up to five right there. Five, baby. Well, then seven's really doable if you just have to go two and five in the other seven. Yeah, I, I know. That's, uh, I, that's why you're saying seven or eight in a down year, nine or ten in a big one. Well, I'm expecting in the eight range. And that's pre-bowl game, right? Eight and four going to a bowl. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't, yeah. yeah. I don't even count the bowl. I'm not worried about the bowl game. I don't know who they're who are they going to play, and then who's playing yeah, because so, guys opt out on both yeah, teams. So bowl is not even on my mind. I mean, just their schedule this season. I think that uh, the the three teams that are expected to finish one, two, and three in the Pac-12 South figure to be their toughest games. Utah and ASU weeks two and three, and those are both um, those are both home games. And then USC on the road in the season finale. That's just going to be a real tough game, yeah. So uh, see where they're at. But they've, they've got to go down to Vegas and get that first game. Set the uh, tone. Arizona's breaking in a new everything. And they're right. Big, they're Arizona, what, they're, they're, what we heard with the spring game is Gronk caught a football from a – That a is exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. The highlight of the football game was bringing in a guy who was there more than a decade ago to catch a football out of a helicopter. Yeah. And good for Fish, the coach, generates some enthusiasm. He's got everybody excited mm-hmm. because he had his honorary coaches. He had Fish and Teddy Bruschi. Uh, our uh, fish had Gronk and Teddy Bruschi. Now, those are probably their two most prominent ones still active, and the other is noteworthy because he's on ESPN and he looks good at all times. <laughs> Every hair is in place. And they hired him as like a consultant, even though he'll still live in the Boston area. So, I mean, they're desperate for anything. And so, uh, I, and I thought we were in a pandemic. They didn't have any problem rushing him and running up and hugging him and all. I mean, it just... If, it, if it's an acceptable cause, this pandemic deal doesn't really seem to matter as much. Meanwhile, kids in states can't go to school. But nevertheless, that's my own little political uh, rant on that. And, the, and they all gathered around Gronk at midfield and celebrated as if he's just done something noteworthy. Uh, but the point being, in Arizona is not a good football program. And they had their quarterback who looked like he was going to be worth something. He took off. So they're starting from scratch. And Fish has come in and and he's, he's generated enthusiasm because he's been an upbeat, positive guy. And the last two guys they had weren't. He hasn't coached a game, but he's not the other guys. So things are looking good. <laughs> that's what that's what we're going on. So beat them on a neutral field to open the yeah, season. They should that's, drill them. That's beat the, the crap mantra. out of them. Nice. Last time the Arizona seventy to was seven, on the field, baby. <laughs> they lost by sixty-three points. I see no reason why you don't beat them by at least fifty-two. 
And, and then the Utes. How'd you pick that number? <laughs> well, because the you know you, it's a rivalry, so you're not going to get that fired yeah. up to uh, beat them by 64. Uh, so Utes are going to be tough. Hey, she's going to. I could see a one and two start, but that doesn't necessarily deter me. So if you bounce back and beat USF and Utah State, you're three and two with Boise State coming to town. At some point, isn't Boise State going to make a wrong hire and take a dip here? I mean, they have. I mean, can you even name all the coaches? Have they had five straight no, hires but, but, or six? But what straight difference hires? does that make? They've beaten them the last two times. So take I them down no matter I what. I don't care who Boise State's coach is. You should be better than Boise State. You're two and zero oh in the last two games against these guys. I'm not going to afford Boise State something that they don't earn. Four and two going to Baylor. Yeah. Why not? I'd be disappointed otherwise. I wouldn't normally pick a team to win back-to-back road games. They do have uh, Baylor and Washington State on the road on consecutive weeks. Five and three with Virginia coming to town. Gives you a chance to beat them, beat Idaho State, Georgia Southern. Eight and three going to USC. I can see that. That's not outrageous at all. Hey, if you believe the program is in good shape, then that's what you would think. Do the BYU coaches sign off on that right now? Of course, they don't get no. to, so this is hypothetical. No. No, no, they're greedy. They want nine and two. Oh, no, you don't concede any loss. Why would you? Do, what, what team on this schedule can't you beat? I would say no one. Well, there are people in their cars right now screaming, Utah, obviously. Utah, Utah, Union, Utah is it. Other than that, no. SC at SC, as you said, even the no, Utes. You said eight there. and three, dog. Yes. You didn't say the SC game. That's true, I didn't. So you asked I've me if a, I sign off at eight and three. I did do a little bait and switch there. I'll just have to plead guilty <laughs> to that. I looked for a way to squirm out of it, but I, I really can't. So No, the losses we had were Utah and ASU at home and then splitting at Baylor and Wazoo on consecutive road games. No bye week or anything to cushion that blow. So, Yeah, and I'm not sure what's going to be with Washington State. They got the, the one kid, the starting quarterback, is DUI. He's out of the program, but this is the time to be suspended from the program. Uh, so my guess is he'll be there. But they also got the... Uh, the Tennessee kid, the quarterback there, he transferred over for uh, Washington State. So uh, I don't know who's going to be the quarterback when they face him on October 23rd. And it's obviously a long ways away, so I'm not sure what's going to happen there. But that should be a – you should have a decent chance to win. Because at that point, certainly, if Jaron Hall is your starter and he's healthy, at that point in the season, it's out the door as far as uh, you're breaking in a quarterback. Six games into it, you're not breaking in a quarterback. No. Especially one He's, who's a junior and has been in the program yep. for three years. And there's a accomplished guy behind him. If there's that many problems, you probably have moved on to the other guy. Yeah, I think so, one problem would be injury. Well, that's a separate problem, but that would be the biggest one, yes. And hopefully for his sake, that's not the case. He's not injured. He's got his health. Uh, let the chips fall as long as everybody's healthy. And whoever deserves to be out on the field, that's who they'll put out on the field for sure. So I think all those games, and and I get Utah. You haven't beaten them, and there's something there. I don't know if they've got a little bit of a you know a um, psychological thing, whatever it might be. And there's a lot of pressure on BYU to win that game because then they don't play them for a couple of years, right? Right. They don't. <laughs> 
So, and I, I don't think that uh, you know. Last time they didn't play him for a couple of years, at least they got a bowl game one of the years. But I think with the bowl games getting restructured, never say never. But I think it's less likely. So we'll see how that plays out. But you're right; I wouldn't expect them to meet the next two. So, man, if you don't beat them this year, then that's 21. You get the next chance is 24. Holy freak! <laughs> We're going a long ways away. We're getting out there. Yeah, so going to be a lot of pressure on them. It's a home game uh, to get that opportunity there. And, you know, you will have beaten a Pac-12 team. Utah will have beaten Weber. Probably don't see a whole lot there in that one. So, and I think they can win the ASU game. A lot of hype around the Sun Devils, and the Sun Devils don't tend to do well when there's a lot of hype. Like to uh, sneak up on everybody. Uh, the rare time that they do, yeah, <laughs> it's not like they do that often. But you were the only one that picked a ten win season that last time. Believe I me, did not pick a ten win season. You, you literally you, were the only one. <laughs> you always make this up and twist it like I twisted that USC game. Uh, Plead guilty. Plead guilty. For some reason, you are watching a game while you went to a concert. I said they're behind a cow, but they're getting eight yards every time they run the ball. They're going to come back and win this, and they did. And you had them. Oh, well, you can't. So the, the ghost of Dan Sheldon has really haunted you. Because I never. Obviously, he popped off for florida and that got under your skin i don't pop off well that's different yes that is different i, I know and i don't understand why whether i predicted it or not you wouldn't celebrate it who cares what anybody predicted man you guys won I'd celebrate it's a football game I, arizona state we will not have a huge read on them coming in they play southern utah and unlv before they play byu so there's no no big game to help get a read on there. You would assume that they would be 2-0 and looking pretty good. Yeah, into BYU. and their, their season is going to be based on their conference anyway. Yeah. Uh, they're not going to go to the playoff. The idea is to win and have an opportunity to go to the Rose Bowl. That's what they're looking for. Not to downgrade the game, but even if they lose, their goals could still be accomplished. But that's a winnable game for the Cougars. I mean, Herm is so likable. He, everybody just loves him, but yet against Division One competition, he's 15 and 13. So uh, there you go. Until they prove it. You talk about the Jazz haven't proven much. Well, that's who the Devils are uh, right now. They haven't proven much. Uh, we expect them to be good, but they haven't proven much. So we'll see. That's a winnable game for them. It's also a losable game, too. Uh, maybe this is the year that uh, the Sun Devils actually break out and do what uh, people think they're capable of doing. I mean, obviously, I hope so, and I hope they win that game. I'm not denying it. Uh, But until they do it, a little bit of trepidation there. And Daniels didn't have a good season, but last season was so screwy. I can't say, oh, they didn't have a good season, and he wasn't good enough. I just when you when you start a, a game and then you go three weeks or four weeks without playing another game and you can't practice most of that time, I'm not going to assign any analysis on that. Though that's so unfair. This season, that's more realistic. But BYU has a great opportunity. They go three and zero with three Pac-12 wins. They're in the top twenty-five. When we come back, the Utah Jazz, the Minnesota Timberwolves. The rematch, the best of the post-game show on the way. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. 
from Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time for the best of the postgame show. As the Utah Jazz follow the Minnesota Timberwolves in frighteningly familiar fashion. It was the exact, well, wasn't the exact same script, but it was 95% the same as Saturday. It was deja vu all over again. Thank you, Yogi Berra. All right, here's Jake with the postgame wrap. Tough loss for the Utah Jazz last night to the Timberwolves in Minneapolis. It's your Jazz game night recap here on DJ and PK on 97.5 and 1280 Zone. Jake Scott with you, 105 to 104 was your final. The Jazz have now lost two consecutive games to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, Jazz could not throw the ball in the ocean, struggled shooting it. They were 39% from the field, 28% from three, 16 of 57. Jazz were led by Mike Conley. You had 26 points, uh, seven assists, and nine rebounds. Mike hit a three with six seconds to go to put the Jazz up one within a defensive miscue uh, with Rudy Gobert in the final seconds. Gives D'Angelo Russell a layup, and the Jazz end up losing this one by one. As I mentioned, 105 to 104. You'll hear a conversation, uh, a lot of talk in the postgame sound about that final defensive play. And uh, stay tuned. Rudy's comments on it uh, are interesting. Interesting as he talks about exactly what happened. In fact, let's get to the postgame sound. Let's start off with Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. We'll go ahead and get started. Um, first question will come from Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Quinn. So obviously um, you guys had that great comeback near the end and then uh, the defensive breakdown on Minnesota's final offense possession. Can you kind of just explain uh, what happened there? Well, to really comment on, I will, yes, in a second. I, I think, you know, to have a game where we were shooting the ball, you know, we weren't shooting it well, um, but we knew how important what it was for us to, you know, to take those shots. Um, you know, that was something that, that, that mitigates, you know, us turning the ball over. I mean, we had 20 turnovers the other night. Um, so to have a situation where we – you know, we weren't making, but we continued to shoot. And we also found other ways to get to the rim. Um, I thought is, is, is an important thing for our team to, to understand. Um, and then to be able to hang into the game um, by defending um, and also defensive rebound. You know, a couple of the things that have been, um, you know, very difficult for us and challenging have been taking care of the ball and, and rebounding the ball. Um, so to stay in the game like that, and then as you said, you know, to have a chance, um, you know, to get back in the game and execute, you know, the way we did down the stretch up until, you know, that last play, and you know there was a miscommunication, like Mike switched out, and Rudy went back to Towns, and it shook free for for a bucket. So, uh, you know, as I said, those we want to, we wish it were different. Um, and it's hard not to dwell on one play, obviously, when it's that impactful. But I, I think for us to put ourselves in the situation, this isn't—I'm um, not. This isn't a moral victory, but this is specific to how I think our team, the mentality that we have to have in order to be successful. And obviously, we have to—you know—we have to close. Mm-hmm. 
All right. Next question, Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Well, I think it's I think it's fair to say it's concern in Jazzland after losing two games to you know not one of the best teams in the league. Um, where is your level of concern with this team after this this stretch? Um, you know, I, I think you know the things I said you know earlier, Andy. Um, you know, I, I think are important. Um, you know, I don't know what what our percentage was from three. It obviously, wasn't good. I think. You know, we shoot 40% in the season. And, you know, if you keep shooting, the, the law of averages catches up. And, you know, unfortunately, it didn't catch all the way up tonight, but it did enough for us to be right there. And, you know, the NBA is the NBA. And, and they're, they've played very well. Um, I thought the way that we played the first game, you know, I was disappointing. And... Tonight, obviously, there's things you'd like to do better. Um, but as I said, the, the, the things that cost us the game um, the other night were, were things that we addressed. So, um, you know, to the extent there's there's always, you know, I, I don't know if concern would be the word that I would choose to use. Um, but certainly, you know, you, you want to win. And But Minnesota's, you know, they played hard. They're young. They're aggressive. They came to play. They competed. You know, they've got, you know, our, one of the best one of the best players in the league in towns. And, you know, Russell had a – thought the first half, you know, Russell's shot making um, was a hard thing to absorb when, when we were missing. So, I'm, I'd be concerned if we didn't compete, you know. And I'd like to have executed better on the last two possessions. Um, but, again, that's – you know, that's something that, that we have to do. The same way, you know, I mentioned the other night, we have to rebound and – we have to take care of the ball. So, um, you know, this entire season is about getting better. And, you know, that's what – if if games like this can help you get better, um, you obviously would rather win. Um, but that's been what we've been trying to do the whole season. And uh, so that, that would – that would be how I would I would answer that. There's Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder. His team loses by one, 105 to 104 to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, let's now get to the players. Let's hear from Rudy Gobert. Okay, we'll start with Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. Rudy, just what happened on that last play with you and Mike on the miscommunication? Uh, it's totally on me. You know, um, he was already out there. We kind of, we kind of, we, we switched, and uh, I should have recognized that. You know, it's just uh, he did what he was supposed to do, uh, and uh, I didn't. So, two hundred percent on me. Were you guys going into that play knowing that you wanted to switch? No, we. I mean, the goal was for me to, you know, at first like stay with Towns, but uh, on that situation we had to, and I called the, you know, I. Called for the black, so we had to, yeah, he did, Mike did exactly what he was supposed to do, and uh, I didn't, you know, it's, uh, I mean, it's one of those plays, when you watch the replay, you just, uh, just, you just feel dumb, you know, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's one of those, you know, doesn't happen a lot, but uh, 100% on me, sure. All right, Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV. Hey, Rudy, we've talked before about the struggles against teams that are physical or have length, um, whether it's this team or the Suns last game, what are you seeing there and how do you battle that and best approach that going forward? 
No, I think we... I don't think it's about the way they play. I mean, you want to give them credit. You know, they, they play hard and, and they try to take away our... You know, take away the rim and, and shift and give, give up our letter shoot threes. And, you know, we did a great job making shots, you know, in the first quarter. And then we we had a little slump. But we, you know, we knew that if we kept, you know, moving the ball, sharing the ball and, uh, you know, kept playing defense and trying to put pressure on the rim, we were going to be back in the game. And, you know, we fell back. We got back in the game. We got a, we got a chance to win the game, you know, so... Uh, we don't watch film, you know, a lot of things to look at, but for us, it was uh, definitely a great, you know, a great test for sure. Ryan Miller, KSL. Hey, Rudy. Um, Quinn went with you, Ersan, and George, and that kind of that big lineup. What did you like about that tonight? I mean, the, I think we did a great job. First of all, Ersan did a great job knocking down shots. And when uh, when you got guys like him, George, that can space the floor offensively, he really, uh, it really helps, you know. It helps uh, our guys put pressure on the rim, and me uh, to put pressure on, on the rim. Uh, defensively, you know, I think George uh, did a great job tonight. Elsan uh, too, when he was on the floor. So you know, it's probably something that we we might see more often. Okay, Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Rudy, what's your level of concern after losing back-to-back games to a Timberwolves team that's not been very good against many other teams? Uh, none. You know, I think uh, I would be concerned if you were giving up 140 points or something like that, like we did a few times, uh, probably one time this year. You know, um, I think, you know, having the, every team got some tough games, you know, and sometimes we tonight if, uh, if I don't have the last play defensively we, we end up on a win we end up winning the game you know and it's never going to be all you know uh, it's never going to be all good and all bad you know we just got to find ways to put ourselves in a position to win every night and uh, you know I thought we did that tonight I thought we did that last game you know we even though we had some adversity and we you know we turned them all over we still find a way to keep the game closed you know so the forest every night is a, is a is a way for us to improve, and uh, we know that uh, you know obviously we we're gonna need to get Donovan back soon. But uh, you know, uh, for us every night is an opportunity to get better. And you know, teams some teams are playing with no pressure. You know, they're just playing free. Uh, they're just having fun. You know, and uh, and those teams we every year is the same. You know, at the end of the season, uh, those teams are always the hardest to play against because they're just playing free. So we got to stay focused, keep getting better, and uh, keep defending. Okay, last question, Tim McMahon, ESPN. Hey, Rudy, I know you've mentioned that uh, health is is the top priority, but how important is the number one seed to you guys? And you know, with the Suns playing as well as they are, how are you feeling about that situation at this point? You know, uh, I was saying for us, it would be great to have it. But if we don't, you know, the most important is to keep getting better and come into the playoff playing, playing great basketball, you know, and, uh, and know who we are, know our identity. And I think, you know, uh, obviously being healthy is very important. But, uh, yeah, just keep taking it one game at a time, you know, hope, try to win every game, but, uh, you know, keep getting better. There's Rudy Gobert, uh, Rudy with 18 points, only five rebounds from Rudy, three block shots. Uh, he talked about that last play with Mike Conley, Rudy taking uh, 100% uh, 
uh, accountability for the mistake there. Talked about how Mike Conley uh, switched when he was supposed to. He was doing his job, and Rudy uh, did not uh, make the right decision. In fact, uh, sounded embarrassed. Said he uh, he looked dumb on the replay, and so Rudy, you know, takes those types of things to heart. That's for sure. All right, let's now hear from Mike Conley. We'll go ahead and get started. First up, Eric Walden, Salt Lake Tribune. Hey, Mike, first off, can you kind of just take us through um, from your perspective what happened on each of those last two plays, first on the defensive miscommunication and then uh, on the subsequent offensive play? Um, well, I think it was just that. You know, there was somewhere lost in the, you know, a translation of, uh, you know, I assumed that it was a black and and uh, we called a black star switch. Uh, and I got out on to, to catch, you know, try to push him out half court. Um, and then you know, I looked behind me and uh, Russ is, is landed up. So I don't, I didn't really see what happened behind me, but um, I guess, you know, Rudy got mixed up there along the way. And, uh, we gave that one up. And then on the other end, you know, we were supposed to uh, just kind of clear the court open and, you know, create a one-on-one situation. And uh, it got crowded there. Rudy came up and, and uh, you know, try to make a, uh, a play. And, uh, there's nowhere to go. So uh, this was a tough, uh, tough two-play stretch for us, and we got to be better in this situation. All right, Andy Larson, Salt Lake Tribune. The last couple, of, last couple of games, when you kind of when your offense slows down and you can't make a shot, and it feels like it's a real struggle out there. Like what? Uh, when you watch that game on film um, from Saturday, from Saturday, and the kind of uh, your initial impressions of what happened today, what is the cause of, of the offense kind of stagnating like it did? Um, it's it's hard to it's hard to say sometimes. You know, we're uh, you know we're a team that relies on you know our guys making. Um, making open shots, you know, shooting open shots um, and creating for each other. And, uh, you know, we've had opportunities in the last two games. You know, we've uh, had, had uncharacteristic, you know, type performances from, from a lot of people. Um, and, and, and a lot of us have, you know, probably watched the film and sat back and thought about every shot we've taken. And, um, wish we have them back because we're, you know, they're good looks and uh, we should take them every single time. And, and when we struggle like that, it's just, you know, we just got to keep fighting through it and you know, keep trying to get stops defensively and, uh, you know, just keep pushing, uh, pushing the tempo and trying to, trying to create some offense. Kristen Kenny, Jazz TV. Mike, we talked about some of those common themes, the turnovers, but you guys clean that up tonight. But what do you see? you can do better against teams that come at you with a lot of physicality and length. Well, yeah. Um, you know, we have to, we have to combat, combat that with the same type of physicality. We cannot just, you know, take every punch and take every elbow, take every push and, and, you know, look at the ref or so to bail us out. You know, we have to stand up, stand our ground, uh, be aggressive, be physical, uh, and just kind of grind games out. This is that time of the year where, you know, teams are going to be gunning for us regardless of their situation or our situation. So um, every night's going to be a dogfight. And, uh, and and we got to realize that from the, from the time the, the jump ball starts to the, to the last uh, second on the fourth quarter. So uh, just keep grinding. All right. Last question, David James, KUTV. Mike, you've been through a, a lot of NBA seasons here, so just a little perspective on where you think the team's confidence is right now, and and where you go forward from here. 
I, I think we're still very confident. Uh, like I said, you know, we've had some uncharacteristic nights. Um, one turned the ball over, you know, guys not shooting it well. Um, you know, just, just nights that, that, you know, we'll look back and, and realize that they made us better as a team and made us better as a whole because we're going through, you know, we went through the last two games. We went through a lot in those, in those you know, between the one first quarter and the fourth quarter of uh, highs and lows. And tonight we were in a game where we were down and came back at the end and, and it came down to two possessions. So um, we're learning. We're learning and they're great lessons for us going into the playoffs and uh, hopefully – you know, we're getting them out now, you know, before we get to the time we're playing, you know, better competition. There's Mike Conley, 26 points, seven assists, nine rebounds from Mike. A couple of turnovers down the stretch. You heard him talk about that that uh, did not help, including the uh, last play of the game where he got it poked out from behind by Ricky Rubio. But uh, Mike with the big three that put him up one with six seconds to go, but not quite enough as Jazz lose to the Timberwolves 105 to 104. Up next, Jazz take on the Sacramento Kings tomorrow night in Sacramento. That game will tip off at 8 o'clock. Pre-game coverage will begin at 7. There's the best of the post-game show. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines. The top of the Western Conference did not cover themselves in glory. Well, one player did, and he dragged one team to it. But it was a rough day. We'll get to that next. Stay with us.